This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at the BatmanUniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Jerkins, and you're listening to the Batman Hi, Universe. Hi, this is Danny O'Neill, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 279. I'm your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Steph. And this is Ian. And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of August 4th through August 17th. Yes, I am back um, after a little bit of a vacation. Actually, I was gone two weekends in a row. Uh, one one weekend I was gone in Ohio, and the other weekend I was gone in Michigan uh, for various things, family-related stuff. Um... But I am back, and there's a specific question that was asked that we're going to get to later on during listener Q&As uh, that I definitely want to answer because I wasn't here last time, and I think it'll be fun to answer. So uh, we will get to that. We have just a little bit of news, two books as usual, and some other stuff. So we're going to get into the news. The first thing we've got is on August 14th, DC announced the next group of Tales of the Dark Multiverse. The new titles are coming in November. These will include Infinite Crisis and Blackest Night. Um, the one that we will specifically be covering here on TBU will be the Infinite Crisis one. Uh, the Blackest Night one is very rooted in Gre- the Green Lantern universe. And as you know, this is called the Batman universe, not the Green Lantern universe. So we'll leave that for guys who cover Green Lantern. Anyway, um, the Infinite Crisis one, however, uh, that one will be written by James Tynan with art by Aaron Lepresti and Matt Ryan. Uh, the cover is done by Lee Weeks and will focus on the destruction of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman and the rise of Alexander Luther and Superboy Prime, and the rebirth of the multiverse, which all began with Ted Kord, the Blue Beetle. So um, while, obviously, Infinite Crisis is a an event that uh, deals with uh, members of the Bat family, I'm not sure how much of that's going to dive into it, but we plan on covering that one, even though it seems to be focusing more on Blue Beetle. Um, Blackest Night, however, while obviously, again, it was an event that had characters from the Batman universe involved in it, I don't believe this one will have anything to do with it because it's specifically talking about uh, Sinestro and other members, and there's no mention of any Batman universe characters. So uh, we will be covering the Infinite Crisis one over on the site. Um, when that releases in November, that uh, Infinite Crisis one is actually going to be releasing on November 27th. The Blackest Night one will go on sale on November 13th. Uh, there will also be reprints of the original, like uh, the dollar comics. There will be special dollar comics related to these releases. So for the Blackest Night release, they'll have the first issue of Blackest Night number one. 
or I should say Blackest Night number one, uh, that will release for one dollar. And then the, uh, when the Infinite Crisis one comes out, Infinite Crisis number one will be released as a, uh, that will also be released as a uh, $1 reprint as well. So, um, dollar comics are here to stay, at least for the foreseeable future, especially as we harken back to a lot of these past events. Anything you hope to see out of these? Do we know what Blue Beetle it is? Ted Cord. Oh, I like Jaime Reyes and his actual book. <laughs> I like Jaime, too, from the Young Justice yes. show, but I... Um, I I read the the Dixon. I know I referenced this a ton of times last episode. I was listening to myself, but um, I like Ted Cord from Birds of Prey back in the late '90s, early 2000s. I thought he was a really cool character. Um, I'm really happy about the dollar comics in this case because that's really smart marketing. Because if someone picks up that one shot and they're like, "Oh, well, this is clearly referencing an earlier story. Oh, there's this cheap comic I can get started on the earlier story." I think that's a really good idea. Um, I know I've been really harsh on the dollar comics before, but I think this is how they should do it as tie-in marketing to get people into things. Like the the problem with the dollar comics before is it didn't feel like it was really coordinated or connected to anything. They're just like, oh, this sold well in the past. Here, have a dollar comic. That is true. There's no doubt about that. Um, some of those dollar comics are very questionable. Um, I know that a good chunk of dollar comics are coming for Batman Day this year. That's like when the first group of ones that will actually have a dollar comics banner on them. Um, they're coming in the middle of September when Batman Day is. And to be fair, in past years, we had a bunch of free comics. This year, I think there's maybe one free comic, but there's just a lot of dollar comics. So there's that to look forward to. Um, the next, the other bit of news that came out um, over the past two weeks was on August 16th, there was a new tie-in announced for Batman White Knight. This is specifically diving f- out of events from the original first volume of Batman White Knight. This, 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 it'll be a one-shot that will focus on Von Freeze, also Mr. obviously Mr. Freeze, the issue will be written by Sean Murphy, who obviously created the Batman White Knight universe, but the art will actually be managed by Claus Jansen with the normal, the normal White Knight colorist, Matt Hollingsworth, who will be uh, managing those duties. Um, the solicitation reads, and I'm reading this just because it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, those of you who have not read White Knight, the first volume, I strongly suggest you do, is really, really good stuff. And uh, there was a kind of a... I wouldn't say a plot hole, or it was like a loose, loose plot thing that was just left hanging out there, uh, dealing with Mister Freeze's connection to Thomas Wayne, and how the how they they were connected within this universe. So the solicitation says: on the night of Bruce Wayne's traumatic birth, Victor Freeze must intervene to save the lives of Martha Wayne and the future Batman. As the evening unfolds, Victor distracts Thomas with the incredible tale of his own father figures, one a Nazi, the other a Jew, and their complex connection to Wayne Laboratories. As the Third Reich roars into power, the deep friendship and working relationship between Baron von Fries and his research assistant, Jacob Smithenstein, is in crisis. Ordered by Himmler to speed develop of their cryotechnology in service of the world domination, Smithstein is forced 
to go into hiding and compromise his moral code in order to save his wife and infant daughter. Nora, from the from persecution, persecution and certain death. When the SS ramps up surveillance over the project, young Victor begins to question his father's true allegiance. Both families are driven toward an impossible choice and a sinister standoff. And Victor makes a pact with Smithenstein, Stein, I should have said Stein, that makes way more sense, that will ripple through generations. So, uh, this first issue and only issue, because like I said, it's one shot, will be releasing in November. Um, this will, in fact, be taking the place of Curse of the White Knight in November. There is no new issue of Curse of the White Knight in November. This will take its place as, I guess, Curse gets a one-month break to have Murphy catch up on stuff. So, there's that. I think this is great. Um, We knew that Murphy was planning to get collaborators to add to his universe, but Klaus Janssen is a real get. I mean, he's one of Frank Miller's most famous inkers, but he's also done really great stuff like um, the Detective Comics Annual Number One uh, with Denny O'Neill and uh, uh, Death in the Maidens with Greg Rucka, and um, I think he did one of the Gordon, like GCPD or gordon's law in the 90s he's he's just a really great artist i had a chance to meet him at awesome con this year and he was so friendly and if you ever go on youtube and search his lectures or his his interviews about comics he's just a real gentle really brilliant guy who's he's added so much to comics in a really behind the scenes way but he's a great talent and i'm so excited to see him adding to this very exciting universe yeah, anything that, even if it's for no reason, then to just understand a character better, I love backstory. It yep. makes me happy. What's really great is that it's adding, it shows that they're in some way committed to this universe. It mm-hmm. sold, obviously, the first volume sold really, really well. It was one of the few series that DC's released in recent memory where later issues outsold the first issue. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't tend to happen very often. So that you can tell that DC is, you know, they're, they're standing behind Murphy and, and what he's doing here, and this is proof that they are going to be potentially going in other directions outside of just Murphy doing it all himself. So I'm completely okay with this as well. I also I also appreciate, while I understand that you know there's plenty of situations where artists get behind or artists need a, a month off to you know catch up on the stuff, especially some of these series where it's the writer and artist is the same person. Um, but this is a very good way of like breaking up that break time where you're not losing focus on the series and you, you're not spreading the series out. <clears throat> Doomsday clock. Um, <laughs> where there's not too much time and you're not forgetting about it because there's something taking its place. It's also a really smart way to have an issue come out and not have to require readers to be buying two issues in one month. Because let's be honest, everybody's got a budget and their budget is not always unlimited. So it's nice to have, when you've got something like this coming out, it is taking the place of another title. So when it's stuff like this, I don't have any issues with stuff like this coming out and it releasing in this way because it's it, it, this is the best way for things to happen for everybody. The, the writer slash artist gets a little bit more time to work on their series. This comes out, fills in the gap for readers who would otherwise not be getting something that month. But then at the same time, it's also not going to pinch your, you know, we're not going to be pinching your wallet 
looking for the money for you know this issue on top of another issue. So I appreciate the fact that what 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 the uh, what they've done with this, even if it wasn't necessarily intentional. Because let's be honest, not everything they do is intentional. Well, and DC has actually done this before with the the Grim Knight uh, for Batman Who Laughs. Yeah, they they've done this a couple different times. They did yes with the Grim Knight, and then also recently they just did it with the deceased, where there's a special deceased one shot that's coming out in September. But then the final two issues come out in October, so it was like they needed just a couple weeks to get caught up or something. They didn't need a full month, um, but that was another example recently. So I mean, like it's something that they're they're they've done. A couple of times, you know, recently in the last year, but it's not something that is typical when it comes to a lot of these different series, especially ones that are supposed to have a good, a huge impact on, on things. And this isn't obviously like a continuity changing series by any means, just like DC isn't. But you can tell that when stuff is selling well, even if it is maybe a, in the case of DCs, it might be like a last-minute decision to add a one-shot into the series or something like that. It still works, and it's still an interesting way of doing it, and I'm not going to complain about stuff like that. So, yeah. All right, so with that, there is that's all the news. Solicitations did release uh, this past Friday, as you're listening to this a week ago, uh, but as usual... The solicitations get released extremely late in the day, and there's absolutely no time for me to get these the uh, solicitation breakdown complete before we record this. And hopefully, I'll have it I'll have it up on the site by the time you guys are listening to this. Um, but it takes a little bit of time, and let's be honest, I, I should say this: DC over the past couple of weeks has had some issues with getting things out um, in general, press releases and things like that. Um, most of you probably will have no clue what I'm talking about because you just see it whenever it comes out, which is the way it typically is. But as a website that releases press releases, stuff has been coming in at very weird times and weird uh, times that it, it wouldn't necessarily come in. So, um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. But anyway, uh, with that, we're going to jump straight into our comic reviews. And the first one we've got is Batman. Batman number 76, written by Tom King, art by Tony Daniel. The issue opens with a full page of Catwoman in Paris with a satchel in her hand before cutting to Captain Adam being met by Gotham Girl high over Gotham City. Captain Adam has disobeyed orders from the government to stay out of Gotham, and their conversation is cut short by Gotham Girl punching Captain Adam out of the sky. Below, on the streets of Gotham, Kite Man, Scarecrow, Tweedledee, and Tweedledum are using their running for their lives. Tweedledee or Tweedledum, since they're twins, it's not clear, falls after a gunshot wound from the Flashpoint Batman. The rest continue to run as the shadow of the Batman falls over them. Um, the three crash through a window to make their escape as Gotham Girl continues to beat down on Captain Adam on the Gotham streets. Kite Man attempts to carry his fellow fugitives to safety on his glider, but it's too much weight. And after a dose of fear toxin from Scarecrow, Tweedledee, or Tweedledum, falls from the sky as Kite Man and Scarecrow glide to safety over all of Gotham. Gotham Girl picks up the unconscious Captain Adam 
throws him all the way out of town into the river. Meanwhile, in Paris, Catwoman enters a skylight to an apartment where an unconscious Bruce Wayne lays on a ratty old couch. Kiteman and Scarecrow lay low at Kiteman's hideout as a hospitalized Captain Adam is visited by Tim Drake, Robin. Meanwhile, Catwoman talks to the unconscious Bruce about the work of art she stole. Kiteman and Scarecrow are interrupted by Thomas Wayne's Batman, who takes them both down. Tim Drake stands on a rainy rooftop, overlooking Gotham with another Robin, Damian Wayne, and the two of them speak about how Alfred is being held hostage to keep any of the Bat family from setting foot in Gotham. The two nearly come to blows as they continue to stand in the rain, ending with Damien plaintively asking Tim what they should do now. Selina speaks to the unconscious Bruce about how the stolen painting will pay to hide and care for him and tearfully promises that if he wakes up, she won't steal again. The issue ends with Thomas Wayne and Gotham Girl standing over a quiet city as Gotham Girl remarks that they have won. So we've hit the second part of City of Bane. What did you think about the the storytelling of this issue? I think that it was very interesting to me that Tom King basically took a lot of the questions that we asked about last issue that were set up about how things are working, and I think answered them with this issue while still sort of telling three different narratives all twined together. Yes, I would agree. There was a lot of things that were answered. Uh, clearly, the answer of why the Bat family wasn't coming in. Um, while they have not revealed specifically how all the villains are being controlled, one would guess it has something to do with Psycho Pirate. Um, but, and, and I'm sure that will come out at some point because it's it's just feasible. Um or, I mean, it could be something as simple as Mad Hatter and, and like, a you know, implant, something that's attached to all of the villains or whatever, because they were all in Arkham prior to this. Um, I think it's, it, this was this was a little bit better, in my opinion, than the last issue. I know I wasn't here last episode to talk about 75, and while the art was amazing in 75, there was a lot of questions that just was like, Again, we went from 74 to 75. We didn't address how 74 ended. And, yeah, I obviously have a problem with that. I keep bringing these things up where there's these random situations where issues end and then the next issue picks up and we don't have any sort of conclusion from the last issue. Um, while you can make your own deductions, I don't. And as I've said multiple times in the past, I don't like making my deductions about a story that is being presented to me, um, leaving too many openings out there for people to assume what happens. Let's just say, for example, that something was to get adapted into an animated film in the future. The screenwriter for the animated film could make his deductions to make it work because he's telling a full story that has to be in in. in, in out there, able to be seen in a movie, while a comic book, uh, or at least the way Tom King writes his stories, there's the, a lot of like big holes that you kind of can fill in. He has said that some of them you can fill in, some of them will get filled in years and years later. Um, but 
anyway, the point is for 76, it was kind of a contrast to 75 in the sense of there was a lot of things that were answered. Uh, not everything, but that's fine. I don't expect everything to get answered. There's a, the art still is really, really good. They're really, really nice to look at. And I can appreciate the fact that, you know, there's, there was a lot of work that, that has gone into this and especially some of the reveals and question or the answers to some of our questions that we've asked, um, about what's going on, how things are happening the way they are happening and things like that. Some of those things, you can see that there was, there was care put into the delivery of these answers. And while, as I've, as I complain about all the time, you know, I don't necessarily like the, the waiting part of getting to some of the answers. This issue was a good way to answer some of those questions and still, of course, leave other answer or other questions unanswered, wanting you to want more of this, the, this series. So. Yeah, I like the way it was told. Um, I really liked how we got a little bit, like, action-wise, nothing much happens other than poor Captain Adam. I mean, he can't get a break this week. Between deceased and this one, I think he's been deaded. But um, I just really liked, especially, like, like Damien, like, how he was seemed to be really rash and weird, and then you just really get to the end, and it's just this poor boy who just doesn't know what to do, and so he's just grasping at straws and lashing out, and really he just doesn't understand. And um, even, you know, looking at Kite Man and <laughs> has a bit of a yelling time with, with Scarecrow, and, you know, obviously Bruce is completely unconscious, but... Cat is working through some of her stuff. Like, I'm sorry, I'm stealing again. <laughs> but yeah, I like that it answered questions. I liked that we actually got a look at what people are thinking, what's going on. Um, art is great again, as always. Um, but yeah, I liked it. I really loved the way the story builds. You've got the sort of almost like a western standoff between Gotham Girl and Captain Adam. It was very sort of two gunmen in a lonely area, only it was the sky instead of the desert. So that was really cool, very well drawn. And then Gotham Girl just wipes the floor with Captain Adam, and it's just so brutal. And then in the hospital, he wakes up, and it's all beautiful color work by Tomomori, by the way. I don't always like his stuff, um, but really lovely, just the... The, all the little lighting effects he does with Captain Adam's skin and the bruises and and then it turns around and you see Tim Drake's there. That was just a really cool moment for me just seeing the back of his head and then it turns around to his face and Tony Daniels' expression is just, Tim is so serious and he's so he, he's a great detective and you can just see the, the wheels turning in that panel but he's also just he's stuck. They're all stuck and I love that little dialogue um, between Damien and Tim. I think Tom King really gets their voices, Damien's bravado. Like, some people were complaining that Damien cares about Alfred. Why would he be so... I think Tom King knows he cares about Alfred, but he doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. He's he's panicked. And then Tim just puts it all out there. Bane has taken their city and broken their father. It's... This is so good. I really, really like how King is setting up the storytelling, and he's working so well with Tony Daniel. Um, I am curious though. Steph made some comments on the Discord about the cover, um, specifically about oh, yeah. the oh, the cool. size of Bane's hands. 
And I and I went and I found because people were like, well, he was big in Nightfall. No, he was not this big in Nightfall. And I posted the picture. This was in. Yeah, this is the biggest Batman's thigh. I know. And his uh. torso is like, okay, now I know Venom does weird things to you, but it does not turn you into Andre the Giant. I'm sorry. It's just crazy. Yeah. He's not Hulk. He's not Hulk. He's not. Uh, my son looked at it. He's like, whoa, he kind of looks like uh, Thanos. I'm like, yeah, well, he's, he's a human being. <laughs> DC's doing a cool thing with their covers this month about having them battle damaged. And it's all the normal covers. So even though some of them are cardstock covers, there's still the regular battle damage sort of collectible item is uh, available at the regular price. And I really like that. I think it's like the... Um, the foil covers that they did last year that were the regular price. They weren't an additional cost. Um, and in November, we're getting acetate covers. So I, I like this cover initiative that they're doing to sort of across the line give you a collector's item without you know soaking you for extra money like they are with the cardstock covers or they did with the lenticular covers in Future's End. So I approve of what DC's doing here. Um it's just added value. It's something that makes you feel like the comics are cared about by the company they're produced by. So you can care about them, too. They're not just a disposable product. So uh, that was my comment about the cover. I I just sort of look at Bane all the time and think he's hilariously big, so I didn't even <laughs> notice. Um, last question about this issue of Batman. Uh so Batman himself is actually unconscious the entire issue. Do you think that um, Batman will recover soon, or do you think that he's going to be absent for like the first half of the arc? Well, that's kind of a loaded question because I know what's coming up, so I'm going to say he's not going to be unconscious. Well, I don't know, but I would hope that he's not for too much longer because where it is cool that we are able to see what other people are thinking and doing and not just Batman, um, it is called Batman and not Batman is sleeping. I'll say this, by issue 78, I'm pretty sure Batman and Catwoman are going to be back in Gotham City, which I believe was part of a news story like a couple months back before when it was solicited. So... There's that to look forward to. That would be good. I still want to know how she, first of all, found him in wherever, the Andes, or wherever he was, Himalayas, and then how she got him down, because he's heavy. He's not fat, but he's very, very heavy. And she is strong, Small. independent woman, but my but goodness. She's petite, yeah. <laughs> and then dragging him to Paris, still unconscious. There's a... Some other continuity concerns right now, which is how did she know that he was there in the first place when yeah. she's, uh, you know, shacked up in Villa Hermosa, locked away from the rest of the world right now? But I digress from that. Um, I also don't understand how if. OK, so you could one would assume that it was Thomas Wayne who obviously got out of the pit in 74 because Thomas well, Wayne is the one who's got out. Was that? Well, well I, yeah, obviously they both got out, but I mean, like, the one who emerged, you know, as the victor in the fight, I would assume would be Thomas Wayne, because there was one hand at the end of 74 who's emerging from the pit. So, you know, the question is, well, who is it? Well, in 75... Well, I think it's both. I think both of them are symbolized. I mean, that's the point of having two Batman, is that they're so similar, so that the differences are what 
really stand out. I think they both came out, and I think that that hand symbol was deliberately meant to symbolize both of them rising. You're using how symbolism it- and metaphors, but using actual physical a- things that happened. Like, yes, I understand there's a metaphor, but, but literally someone came out first, and we're just curious yeah. who it is. Right. Someone I, had know, I just didn't care about who came out first. I like the symbolism. <laughs> Ah, uh, no, someone has to come out first because they were fighting. Someone has to emerge. It's the whole idea is a hand came out. The, one hand emerged. They were both wearing the same gloves, so obviously you don't know which one it is. My assumption would be that it was Thomas Wayne because he's the one who's back in Gotham, right back to where he was prior to this entire, you know, two-issue you know, arc where he's off in the desert with Bruce, which ultimately led to nothing except for two issues of him not being in Gotham City. Whatever. Anyway, he's back and he doesn't seem to be injured. Meanwhile, Bruce is climbing up a hill, getting beat up by a bunch of thugs. I would assume he lost. But the question is, how did he get out of the pit? And how, why did he go up the mountain? And that part didn't make any sense to me. That I didn't, I didn't understand that. And then, of course, obviously, like Steph said, how did Catwoman just stumble across him? Like, she had to be looking for him. But why was she looking for him there of all places? It's not like this was like... You know, a mountain on the backside of Gotham City, and she just happens to be held up in a in a shack in the woods outside of Gotham City. This is this is the world here we're talking about. But I because think, he's I think uh, Ian, you're a little bit too forgiving with the uh, the logic behind a lot of this stuff. I I am sometimes um, because I I like to li- look at Batman symbolically and. I, I understand. I mean, when I watch Dark Knight Rises, which is my second favorite of the, the trilogy, I I get really frustrated with the entire last 30 minutes of the film because how does Batman get right. to Gotham and I, from... Right, and I agree with that. That that, that, that bugs me, too. Because it doesn't but, make I know, any for, sense. For, for some reason in this one, I, I mean, for, for one thing, I think it's really clear that a significant amount of time has passed between... Um, 74 and 75, because it says later on the first page. So well, that, for me, well, that's, that's like a lot that's of time. Fine. So it makes I just sense say that some time, time has passed. It's just the problem is that, like, Bruce is clearly beat to hell. He's not able to, like, withstand, you know, take out these two just random dudes at the top of the hill. Like, he clearly is He's down in the dumps. And I would assume it's because he didn't beat Thomas. For whatever reason, it doesn't matter if Thomas is the you know is just better or if Bruce was still wearing off the effects of the drugs. It doesn't matter what the reasoning of that is. It's just it appears as if he's in a very bad position. In this issue, he's still healing from the stuff that happened between the attack in seventy five and obviously the attack at the end or the fight at the end of seventy four. So like, there's the logic part of that makes sense. It's just. Again, we're having to connect the dots of how A gets to B when a story normally tells you how you get from A to B. And that's, you know, of course, we're going back to the same stuff I complain about every single time we get a new issue of Tom King. And unfortunately, I I don't think it's going to stop or, you know, I don't think stuff like this is going to stop. This is just his way of telling stories, which is just extremely different than everybody else's way of telling stories. And I'll, I'll definitely give you the Catwoman thing, and I really hope we know that Clayman's coming on board to tell like a two-part Catwoman Batman 
sort of like mini part of City of Bane. And I hope that that answers some of those questions, because I would like to know, so what has she been doing in Tom King's head? Has he even been reading Catwoman? Yeah. Like, what's going on with that? I mean, I haven't been reading Catwoman, so I can't blame him if he isn't, but um, it would be nice for it to fit together. Yes. Um, so let's get to our ratings. All right. So Batman number 76, um, of course, we spent the majority of this uh, review with me complaining as uh, usual, even though I said I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a three and a half. Yeah, I think I'll say that too. Three and a half. Although the bat, the kitties, the bat cat stuff was kind of cute. So it should get a little extra. For some reason, this issue just really worked for me. I, I have to give it a four. The storytelling was just so strong. All right, and over on the website, Paul gave it three, so it's going to give Batman a total of three and a half out of five bad rings. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 1009, written by Peter Tomasi, art by Christian Duche. Uh, Alfred informs an overworked Batman that he's been working tirelessly every night, stopping every crime he possibly can. In doing so, Batman is tiring himself to the point of exhaustion, but isn't afforded the luxury of rest as Bruce Wayne has a heavy schedule of business meetings ahead of him. Elsewhere, we cut to a scene of Deadshot shooting bottles for practice before a mysterious man descends from a plane. Deadshot has been expecting him. He has been hired for a mission that requires a thumb drive. After receiving the drive and ensuring the money for the job has been deposited into his account, Deadshot kills the messenger, an order from his benefactor. We cut to the Gotham National Bank headquarters, where a business meeting is occurring regarding Wayne Enterprises. Bruce comments on how boring the proceedings are, wrapping the meeting up swiftly by giving Lucius Fox control of the whole environmental initiative for the company. Bruce then asks Lucius to arrange a single jet for all the CEOs that attended the meeting. One hour later, Bruce and company are arriving at the jet. As they board and settle in, the business proceedings continues. This bores Bruce once again, who regrets the corporate gathering. Next, we see the captain and co-pilot preparing for takeoff until the co-pilot reveals he was wearing a disguise, aiming a gun at the captain. Ensuring the plane will fly on autopilot, he changes into his work attire, revealing his identity to be that of Deadshot. Deadshot storms down the aisle to demand that Bruce and the other CEOs keep in, keep in an upright position. Suddenly, lightning strikes the plane, careening everything into chaos. Bruce assists Lucius with his belt before helping two of the other CEOs. Unable to fly the plane, the plane crashes on an island. Deadshot is cast from the plane as it collides with the Earth, leaving our hero and his company in peril. Lastly, we cut to a short teaser in the Gotham Pine Barrens, where Mr. Freeze is seen standing beside his frozen wife. As he pines for her, ominous machines appear around her, where he proclaims they will be together soon. All right. So, uh, I'm going to start in the end. Uh, we get this Mr. Freeze teaser at the very end. Obviously, Mr. Freeze is the intentional villain that is uh, tying into gear of the villain. And the Lex Luthor offer and gifts and things like that. Um, we've seen... I believe there was a teaser in the last issue um, where Lex Luthor approaches Mr. Freeze. Well, I don't think it was at the end. I think it was at the beginning. But nonetheless, um, Mr. Freeze is clearly the, the villain that's going to get the attention in the very near future. What do you think about Detective Comics having Mr. Freeze on the cover, but then Mr. Freeze only really appearing in a couple pages at the very end? Well, it was definitely confusing. 
But I think I enjoyed the issue so much that I didn't really care. In fact, I got to the end and I was like, oh, right, right. Freeze is on the cover. There's some some stuff about Freeze in here. Yeah, yeah, it's neat. <laughs> but yeah, it was definitely confusing. But I was not disappointed. I thought... I thought that the um, the free stuff was not bad, but it's clearly not really part of the story that Tomasi is telling right now, which I can't tell if he wants to tell it this way, sort of like a backup story, or if this is forced on him by editorial as part of Year of the Villain, but it's really not organic, and the cover is just really dumb, that, that choice. Like, it's a good cover, but it... It only deals with like the last two pages of the comic, so it's 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 completely misleading. And I don't normally get bent out of shade about this, but the fact that they're they're selling the the year of the villain thing with the banner and everything, um, I I don't think it's super helpful in selling the comic because the comic itself is good. The um, the Deadshot stuff is solid. It's it's good classic Batman stuff, and um, the characters are written well. The art's really good, so I don't see why they couldn't have made a cover to sell the good stuff in the comic itself. You know, because I don't mind the setup, like especially if it's just going to be set up. I prefer it not take up story space. But yeah, the fact that I mean, if, since the question is, what do you think of the cover art? Yeah, it's very, very like if people were looking forward to the start of the Doctor Doctor Freeze, um, the Mister Freeze story. Um, yeah, they would be pretty pretty angry if if they picked it up and then were like, oh, this is it. Yeah, I think the the biggest problem is that not only is Mr. Freeze clearly represented on the cover, but then only appears in such a short amount of pages in the actual issue. But the actual, like, subtitle of the issue is Flash Frozen by Freeze. Batman doesn't come in contact with Freeze at all. And that's where I think I draw the line. Like, having Freeze on the cover, okay, there's been plenty of times we've seen characters on the covers that you know, that aren't the main focus of the issue. And I mean, Batman has, there's plenty of issues where Batman's on the cover and Batman's not actually that big of a focus in the actual issue. You know, it could be Bruce Wayne or it could be anybody else that's not Batman in the back costume. So that I'm okay with. It's that weird subtitle of flash frozen by freeze, because that implies that Batman is facing off against freeze and he's not, at least not yet. And that that's a concern. There's there was a couple of other um, issues, and I don't remember what they were. I just remember people talking about them on Twitter. There was a couple of other issues that have released um, that had the year of the villain. It was last month. It was in July. They had the offer banner at the top, but then the offer was like this non important thing that just happens at the very end of the issue where it happens in like the last two pages, similar to the way we've seen Mr. Freeze pop up in this issue where this one, of course, this month is the dark gifts and the gifts are being presented to a lot of these villains, but it still doesn't tie into the main story. Um, so that's, it's frustrating because it feels like that is something that's definitely from the, not, not necessarily the writing team or the art team, or anything like that. It's something that's clearly directed by editorial. This has to tie in. We want this to tie in. Figure out a way to make this work. 
Um, and, and who, you know, I'm not saying that Tomasi isn't going to eventually get to a Mr. Free story down the line. I'm sure he will. Um, I don't remember the solicitations off the top of my head, but I'm sure that Mr. Freeze is going to be playing a larger role in the series very soon in the near future. It's just, it's annoying when a comic doesn't have that. It, it's basically like false advertising and that, that annoys me. Um, like Ian said, though, I, I thought this issue was, was actually not that bad. Like, while I didn't expect Deadshot to appear and I didn't expect it to be a lot of business meetings with Bruce Wayne, it was, it was, you know, I think it was written well and it was not like the best story ever, but I mean, like, it's nice to see Bruce outside of the costume. It's nice to see him dealing with some of the day to day stuff that he would typically have to deal with. Or, you know, I guess in his case, like week to week stuff that he has to deal with, because I'm sure he's not going every day. Um, but I mean, like, it's nice to see that kind of stuff because we don't see that stuff very often. So to get a glimpse into the normal world, uh, or I should say the abnormal world of Bruce Wayne, um, makes a lot of sense. And I'm okay with seeing something like that. Of course, I'm not sure exactly how this gonna, is going to, to, to come to some sort of conclusion, I'm guessing this is going to be another two-issue story arc again, as we've seen a lot of very short story arcs coming from Tomasi recently in Detective Comics. Since the Arkham Knight storyline wrapped up, I'm curious to know why in the world Deadshot somehow thought it was a great idea to hijack this plane, but then somehow the plane miraculously crashes on an island. Well, he didn't know there'd ocean. be a lightning storm. Well, sure, he didn't like know there was going to be a lightning storm. Before he yes, but how, but how often do planes get hit by lightning? <laughs> you know how rare that is? That's like incredibly rare. Do you know how rare it would be for a plane to get hit by lightning and to land on an island? Even more rare. Snake. Like, uh, it's just. Uh, it's I one like of those that's where you draw the line in realism. <laughs> yeah. But, well, um, I thought that the. Um, I thought that the, the whole thing. It's just kind of a classic adventure thing. I mean, that's kind of what I liked about this issue is it's classic. And a lot of those coincidence type things do happen in sort of classic adventure stories. So, like, I I don't really have any any deep criticism of the issue. I just, other than the the cover being false advertising, I, I just think that... As a story, it's a nice thing. It, it sort of gives that different flavor. I mean, we've got the Batman where he's, you know, locked in this death struggle with Bane and Catwoman's, you know, his main emotional touch point right now. And the Bat family's in shambles. Like, that's a really dark flavor of Batman. And here we've got, like, a classic flavor of Batman. And I like having both of those. I I, I was really frustrated with the first couple arcs of, of Tomasi's run because it didn't feel like a classic flavor. It felt like kind of a weird not really satisfying flavor whereas you know the joker story last week and this one look like they're just going to be good classic batman stories you know i hope that since he's on an air on the on the island and he doesn't ha- right now have access to his bat suit like it would be cool to see him partnering up part part oh my gosh partnering up with a with a different person than he might normally like Lucius, or they seem to highlight that Joan character a lot, um, or Lawton. <gasps> Lawton and Batman working together. Lawton and Bruce Wayne working together. Oh, the last time we saw that was in Suicide Squad. <laughs> so it'll like be two years ago, a year and a half ago. So I just, I'm excited that it seems like it's going to be a Bruce story. We have not had a lot of Bruce stories since I've started reading, and so this is exciting for me. <laughs> 
I think the extent of the Bruce stories was just whatever he was doing with Selena out of the costume. Yeah, pretty much. And that all ended horribly. Although, uh, what's it called? He's appearing a little bit in um, Batman and the Outsiders, which is pretty cool, too. I like seeing that. Yeah. All right, so Detective Comics, I'm going to give a total of three out of five batterings. You know, this was so much fun. I think three and a half for me. It was it was a good ride for me. Yeah, I'd say three and a half, above average. All right, so over on the site, Jamie gave it three and a half, so that's going to give Detective Comics a total of three and a half out of five batterings. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's jump over to the site for Greater Gotham. Um, over the past couple weeks, we have first up on August 7th, main TBU books. We already talked about Batman number 76. Harley Quinn number 64, Lex Luthor offers Harley true power, but Harley spurns his offer and hijinks ensue. This is by David. He gave it four out of five. Secondary TBU books, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number three, number four, or I should say Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, number 4. Uh, Batman and the Turtles use their fragile alliance with Shredder to try and reset the Laughing Man's memories. This is by Adil. He gave it 2.5 out of 5. Main DC Universe books, we had DC's number 4, Lewis Lois addresses the world. Alfred gives Damien his inheritance, and Mira finds a new home. This is by Tony. He gave it 4 out of 5. Justice League number 29, while Jaro recounts his origin, an ambush on the Legion of Doom ensues, or does it? What secret is Jaro hiding from the entire league? This is by Jamie. He gave it 4 out of 5. And then also there was a DC Zoom title that was released called Dear Justice League. As the members of the Justice League battle insectoid aliens, they also answer emails and letters from their young fans. Ian reviewed this, and he gave it 3.5 out of 5. Secondary DC Universe books, Lois Lane number 2. Renee Montoya's question appears in the issue. Green Lantern number 10. Emerald Knight, who, which is the Batman of Earth-32, and Alfred of Earth-32 both appear in the issue, along with Batman from earth 15, which, if you are unaware, is a planet that is a graveyard, so it's a dead Batman. Uh, moving over to August 14th, main TBU books, Batman and the Outsiders, number three. The Outsiders gear up and craft a plan to retrieve Sophia from Hayden? Kaden? I can't say that. But uh, meanwhile, Ra's al Ghul continues to indoctrinate Sophia. Uh, this is by Adele. He gave it four out of five. Batman Universe number two. Batman Green Arrow are in Amsterdam on the trail of the Riddler and the Stolen Eight plus Gorilla City. This is by David. He gave it three and a half out of five. Catwoman number 14. Catwoman services are enlisted to recover an accounting file that could compromise all of Villahermosa's crime syndicates. This is by Jessica. She gave it four out of five. We already talked about Detective Comics. No secondary TBU books. Main DC Universe books, Event Leviathan number three, as Batman and his team of detectives fail to capture Red Hood, Superman discovers Amanda Waller and Leviathan. This is by Ian. He gave it three out of five. Secondary DC Universe books, Black Hammer, Just League number two, Batman appears as part of the main team, Just League Odyssey number 11, Azrael continues to appear as a member of the team. Titans Burning Rage, Robin Tim Drake appears as part of the main team in that issue. And then TBU trades and hardcovers over the past two weeks include Justice, the Deluxe Edition, 
The Joker, the Bronze Age Omnibus Hardcover, Suicide Squad Volume 8 Construction Trade Paperback. And that's it. So, what out of the last two weeks piqued your interest? Let's start with Ian. Um, well, as uh, Steph noted, the Outsiders book featured some really fun stuff with Bruce that actually tries to tie into what Tom King's doing. Um, and I thought that was really fun. Uh, fun seeing two instances of Playboy Bruce uh, in the same week, which is uh, something we haven't seen in quite a while. And they're both well done. They're both um, good examples of Bruce putting on the facade, but you see the dual layers. That was real cool. I'm still going to say deceased. I'm just, I'm loving zombie Gotham and zombie superheroes, even though they're not technically zombies. But, um, yeah. And like I was saying, poor Captain Adam, he got killed in this one. I mean, spoiler, sorry. I love Captain Adam. <laughs> and I just thought it was it was really good. And, and just Damien's emotional journey of watching his dad, or listening to his dad get killed. I don't know. But um, it, was, it was a good issue. I enjoyed it. A lot of emotional wreckage happening. My there was there's a couple different books that I wanted to just well really I don't have any one specific book. I mean I was probably I would probably say Batman the Outsiders was probably my favorite of the group outside of um, Batman. Um, but I would say that what I really enjoyed over the past two weeks was the fact that the some of the books that I've had issues with you know in, in recent memory had somewhat of a good story. Uh, Harley Quinn was much less zany, more continuity connected than usual. Um, so I kind of, you know, I appreciate when that happens. Um, Justice League had some really off-the-wall moments with Jaro. Um, over in Catwoman, we had just basically like a simple story that didn't feel like we're just world-building for the sake of world-building. Um, so that's nice. Um... Batman, like I said, Batman and the Outsiders was really good. That title's continuously good, been good since it debuted. I've got no complaints of that series since it started. Um, but I, I appreciate when we have like a, a good group of books that, like, as I'm reading them, I'm like, it was good. Like, I'm not, I, I didn't really have anything that I was like remotely really disappointed with, uh, probably because Nightwing didn't release yet. <laughs> and, uh,. Yeah, so I mean, like, there's that uh, event. Leviathan is a very, very slow build in the series. Um, well, I don't. I, I would just. I would. I would be right there with Ian saying it was, in, you know, mid range rating. Um, event Leviathan, like, it's intriguing, but it's going at like a snail's pace at this point, and it's like we're already halfway through, and there's not a lot of mystery right now. It's just basically still who's Leviathan, but nothing's being, you know. Discovered or uncovered or revealed. It's like we're just all going to ask the same question for six issues and then we'll find out in the last issue. And it's like, I hope that's not the case because I'm really looking forward to this one. It's just, it's such a slow build. I agree. And I think that the fact that Bendis is choosing to tell it almost entirely in flashbacks is really killing the feeling of momentum just because every issue gets to a point and then the next issue goes back in time so it, it never feels like it's actually moving forward yeah but yeah i mean overall it's a good set of books um i think i mentioned this in the last episode that i was on which obviously was two episodes ago but uh all the tv trades and hardcovers that released uh i put up 
as I'm putting together the review roundups, I've been putting links so that you can purchase those on Amazon if you are so inclined to purchase them, uh, because obviously then that helps TV out when we get a small little commission on your purchase that costs you absolutely nothing, just a, a little bit of time to click on the link. So if you're looking at any trades recently and you're looking for them, uh, do us a favor and click those links. So with that, um, I before we move on to... Um, our listener questions and things like that. I do want to. I do want to mention that there was a new Batman through the years that posted over the past two weeks. Um, we originally planned on this being weekly, and it's we, we've decided to go a little bit more in depth and and try to do this every other week or twice a month. So 1943 is posted up, and if you were unaware, 43 saw. The first introduction of Tweedledee and Tweedledum, as well as Alfred being introduced to continuity as well. So um, I would check that out. Also, some other characters that popped up, the Crime Doctor and Cavalier. Um, to be fair, I didn't even know who the Crime Doctor was, um, even though he has popped up in a couple of issues over the years, not just this, you know, a one-off Golden Age Villain, so there's that. And if you ever want to know how the Cavalier came to be, you can find out by checking a look at the latest inc- the latest uh, version of Batman through the years. So that is over on the site for you to check out. Uh, hopefully, by the time the next episode posts, you'll have or we'll have 1944, which off the top of my head, don't have any idea. I kind of just wait to see what what, what comes up too because I don't know when everything debuted either. So take a look at that. Uh, before we run into listener Q and A's, which I already said, we're going to jump over a Patreon. Uh, thank you to our Patreon supporters at the 10 and $20 tiers, Robert, Donald, Brendan, Ian, Dustin, Stanton's, uh, grave, Arturo, Irwin, Captain America, J. Dunn, and real no deuces. We appreciate all of your support at those levels and everybody who's supporting at the lower levels as well. Um, those of you who are Patreon supporters, uh, if you have any ideas on things that you'd like to see added or maybe a different tier, or if you're not a Patreon supporter and you'd like to see us add a new tier and you have a specific idea of a reward that we could do, I'm always open to suggestions. Um, you can either get in touch with me over on our Discord, which is probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. Just be sure to tag me um, so that I can find it. Otherwise, you can email me at tvu at thebatmanverse.net uh, with any of your suggestions. Those are always greatly appreciated. Um, outside of that, I do want to just take a moment to say, as I always do, we're always looking for new people to come on board to TBU. We have uh, a couple of new guys and gals that have come on recently to the site to review comics and to work on some other stuff. Um, so I appreciate all of the people who are, who've come on board and all of our existing staff who's been around for a very long time, um, working on a variety of different things, but there's always new stuff to, to review and new stuff to cover. Um, while it seems, at least to me, that Three Jokers is not coming this year. I'm positive Three Jokers is probably coming in at, at no earlier than 2020 at this rate because I don't think it's going to debut in December. But it's still possible, I guess. But let's be honest, Doomsday Clock hasn't the final issue hasn't been final, uh, solicited yet either. So I would imagine they want to wrap that up before they get into Three Jokers and have another Jeff Johns series take you know two and a half years to release. So um, there's that. 
Um, but there, I, I'm positive at some point there will be more, uh, more more comics that we'll have to cover. On top of that, there's always staff members who have to, you know, take a leave of absence or just leave in general because of other commitments that they have. Um, so if you are so inclined to join the ranks of TBU, get in touch with me at tbu at wmhumors.net. Like I said, we're always looking for comic book reviewers, but we're also more specifically looking for people who are looking just to share their writing with TBU, whether it be in editorial pieces or research pieces or anything like that. Um, those, those, that is content that we are always looking for and to share with our readers and the community that is the Batman universe. So be sure to get in touch with me. Um, also, if you have any skills with graphic design, um, there's always, uh, to be fair, the merch store that we have, which I barely ever mention, um, hasn't had a whole lot of logos. All of the logos that actually we do have were created by um, Joe Jinks, who's a uh, co-host of the cast a long time ago. Um, and he sticks every once in a while, he'll, he'll put together some graphics for us. But if anybody else is out there and like to submit some fan submissions and have them put onto a shirt, I'm all for that as well. So if you have some creative skills, by all means, I am not the creative person. So I am more than happy to uh, share your stuff with the world. Um, that being said, um, let's jump into our listener questions because we have some. And at this rate, I'm pretty sure we're going to have time for a monkey watch too. So... Let's do the questions first. So I guess before we get into the new questions, let's get into the, one of the questions from the last episode, which was from Mattman via Discord, which was, which villain would you be a henchman for and why? Um, obviously, Steph and Ian answered this question along with Chris on the last episode, but I figured, why not answer this question as well? So I thought about this for a while, and I thought to myself, well, the 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 way I would most likely work if I was ultimately going to be a bad guy, which I never see myself as, of course, but if I saw myself as a bad guy and was working as a henchman, I would probably try to work for somebody who is not top-tier villain. Um, not Joker or Riddler. I would never want to work for anybody who's like legitimately crazy, who could just pull a gun on me and shoot me in the head because they are having a bad day. That would never be fun, um, obviously. Um, I would say that I would probably want somebody like, like C-list villains or somebody like that, where, you know, you're basically just a brute. But the idea would be to be smarter than the actual villain themselves and then take over their empire. That would be what I would be aiming for. So um, C-list villains that I could easily take out smart-wise. I couldn't I, – I mean, like, I'm a bigger guy, but I'm not, like – some sort of like massively strong man or anything like that. So like killer croc isn't going to happen. I'm not going to be able to take him out. Um, uh, I thought about this and I had some ideas, but thinking about it as I talk it out, it wasn't really ones that were going to work. I was thinking Scarface would be a really good one because you're working for the ventriloquist and Scarface is just a dummy. So as long as you put the dummy in a place where the ventriloquist can't see him, That'd be a real easy villain to take down. 
and take over his empire because let's be honest, he's in organized crime, so he's probably got a decent little niche of the underworld. Although Penguin, Penguin would be a good one because Penguin's not really crazy. He's just he's just a crime lord. But if you but if you were smarter than him, he'd probably be a good guy to take down because he has legitimate claims on certain things. I'd say Penguin. Let's go with Penguin, and then I could wear black and white and look like a penguin too. So why not? Or you could be Red Hood. Yes, I could be. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want Red Hood messing with. I don't want to mess with Red Hood. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we don't have a fifth person for the Catwoman game. <laughs> he has too many kittens at this point. When was the last time you saw a Catwoman have a henchman? Or henchwoman? Just well, you just have um, mouse I'm not saying she hasn't. I'm not saying she hasn't. I'm just saying she when was the last time she had bold. one? That wasn't super long ago. Like the, the cartoon. Yeah, the one that's very Silver Age based. Yes. Yeah. Oh, 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 the annual. She actually had henchmen in the annual. Uh, that was a really good story, actually. Uh, last month, I think it was, or two months ago. I don't know that those were henchmen. I thought those were just like. I mean, they weren't costume henchmen, but she trained them. Uh, I don't know if that's. I don't know if I would consider that the same thing. I know what you're talking oh, about. Cap- you're talking about like that group of girls that he she she oh, trained yeah. to be like thieves. Yeah, yeah. No. And then the, one of them betrayed her. Or whatever. Was it like minions? Yeah. I I thought we were being but minions are henchmen. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Minions. So anyway, all right. So then, moving on to the questions from this episode, we've got one really big question. Um, so we'll dive into that one second. But there was a comment that came from Twitter from Chips No Potatoes, um, and it was specifically posted in relation to the last episode that said, I thought it was pretty obvious that the Archram covers are the main reason that for Catwoman's sales. Um, while I have no disagreement in the fact that Archram's covers are very, very good, I don't think that is why the book is selling as well as it is. Well, I would disagree. And then you would. the... Uh, sales numbers came out, and they actually split them up by the cardstock cover, the regular cover, and then they did a combination. And Catwoman did really, really well and sold about equal in both covers. So I think <laughs> maybe the covers have a lot to do with their sales. Yeah, if they're selling 50% in variant covers, that's a huge number. Because I think someone told me that the rule of thumb is that variant covers count for an uptick of about 10% in sales. So if half of sales are the variant covers, that's a lot. If I remember correctly, I I, com- I combine them for my little spreadsheet here. I need to go back and, and look at the... Actually, I probably could do that real quick. But um, yeah, if I remember correctly, the, the Catwoman and Batgirl one, I think we're decently even in the two yeah the Batgirl covers have been really great by Josh Middleton too it's not quite 50% but the one was 22,000 and one was 16,000 so a difference of about 8,000 so that's 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 still really close to each other yeah so that's why I would disagree now that covers aren't the reason (laughs) they might be well I'd love to get a breakdown of how that affected I mean, I would love to get a breakdown of, of variant covers anyway, just because I love those numbers. But 
even though I don't like the car stock covers, this is an intriguing look into how those variant covers do affect sales per, per title. Because Batman was like 70,000 regular, 30,000 um, card stock. So that, I think, is much more normal. But do you think that the 30,000 that are buying the card stock covers are, in fact, buying just the card stock? How many of those people are, do you think are buying both? Because that by itself shows that the market is like inflated in the wrong way. You know what I mean? I agree, but I, I think that it's not it's not a huge number. I, I would go with the ten percent number that um, my local comic shop quoted me last year. I, I don't think it's anywhere close to the thirty thousand. Which is what ten percent of buyers are buying both covers. Yeah, so about ten thousand. Still, it seems, I don't know, I just, I don't like, I don't, I, it's not a good way to have the market, in my opinion. But, I mean, like, we've, we've talked about this before, and this is not something that DC is doing by themselves. Marvel's been doing stuff like that for a very long time, so. Yeah, 10,000 well, looks about a lot right. better about it. Because yeah. the sales for 75, which we can assume would have been about the same as 74, were... Almost twenty two thousand higher, and the card stock sold twenty nine thousand. So that's about ish nine thousand overlap from what it would have been without having a card stock cover. You know, it's interesting because of DC, because the whole reason this is happening is because the card stocks are a dollar more, and the way Diamond reports things is if it's a different price point, it's a different item, which. It's very interesting because I was reading something that said that DC is pushing Diamond to try to put those numbers together so they don't look like they have nothing in the top 10 because it was weird when the top 10 was released for July and Batman 75 wasn't in the top 10 and everyone was like, wait, what? what's going on? Yeah. And then it was, oh yeah, that's right. They separated the cardstock variants, which is makes up 30% of what, you know, the entire number of sales for Batman. So that's why it wasn't up there. But if Diamond switches the way they report this, I don't see the... To be fair, there's no real reason that Diamond needs to be reporting these numbers in the first place. I guess they could say, well, what sells better and what doesn't. But ultimately, other than those of us out there who really enjoy looking at these numbers and figuring out which ones are doing well... I don't really know what the reason behind making these numbers public is. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if they were to report these numbers back to the publishers, which they have to because, obviously, the publishers have to know how much they sold, then that would be the end of it. But purposely pointing out which ones sell really well and which ones don't sell really well to the public doesn't really make a whole lot of reasonable sense. You know what I mean? Like, why would why does the public need to know these numbers? It's the same reason why we don't have any idea how much how many how many digital copies sell per issues because there's no one who needs to there's no one who controls the distribution of that other than the dig, the digital sites. But even the digital sites, specifically Comixology, they don't report to anybody. There's no reason that they need to tell everybody. What which one's selling? Like they have a top ten list week to week that sells. You know, so that says which ones, which which titles are selling the best that week. But that's the extent of it. They don't release any sort of sales figures or anything like that. And I I have to wonder what the reason is why Diamond does this. And ultimately, if DC 
is able to convince Diamond to change the basis of how they report these numbers and combine them or create some other graph of some sort that says, like, not just by dollar unit or uh, number of units um, or dollar or the, 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 the price or units, but the total number of comics sold for that specific title. It seems like it's just a bragging right, and I don't understand why Diamond would be okay with trying to hype the bragging rights of the publishers. Uh, I just don't. Dustin, how much do you know about Diamond? Well, I understand why Diamond does what they do, but what what benefit does the publisher get from Diamond doing this? Well, the public. I mean, this is this is one of the things I brought up about um, the. It's why I try and highlight when I think DC does good things, like the Battle Damage covers, is because comics, unfortunately, are a tiny industry. I mean, if you look at the numbers for TV or movies, you're talking about a million people being a low number of people to go see a movie or to watch a television show. We have a tenth of the the eyes on the products that we're talking about at the best. Like, 100,000 is good for us. Normal is like 20 to 30,000. That's a tiny tiny fragment of people Um, and unfortunately with with a market that small the professionalism is not great um, at DC and we've seen this I mean if you ever go look at some of the the comic artists on Twitter they're they're not super mature they're not treating it really professionally Um, I appreciate Tom King for that because I think he does try and treat it professionally he's very respectful to fans Um, but even with them being so absolutely disrespectful to him, yeah, which yeah we've yeah. seen over a lot, a lot in the last two years. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that um, the reason we have this kind of you know bragging rights thing is because the publishers aren't treating it super seriously. They're, they're. Um, I, I agree, it's not great for the market, but it is. It's just the state of the industry, and it's kind of sad. Yeah, I mean, ultimately. We need a better, uh, better way to distribute these comics where it's not a monopoly, but that's never going to change. the The industry will go under before that changes, unfortunately. Well, I um, think that um, th- there's a couple things that could happen, but that's way beyond the scope of our podcast. Yeah. All right. Our other comment comes from Jamie via Discord. And Jamie says, hey, Dustin, Stephanie, and thank you for all the work you've put into the podcast, the site, the Discord, everything. I've really enjoyed immersing myself in the community and getting to know everyone. Here's my question for you. Sorry if it's been done before. You have creative control of the Bat family for the next 10 years. You control the main title, satellite series, major events, everything. What's your master plan? Where does each character end up? What books get announced? Any surprises, deaths, romances? I'd love to hear each of your answers. So, this is a massive question. Yes. Uh, <laughs> ten, ten years is a very long time. Um, and I think the, the best way to do this, because let's be honest, if we actually laid out our master plan and answered every single one of these specific questions that you're asking um, over a ten-year time span... We could be here for a really, really, really long time. Um, here's what we're going to do. Just what each one of you can just take whatever little bits and pieces out of that larger question, out of you know all those all those littler questions, out of the bigger question, and pick which ones you'd like to answer. Um, 
I can specifically say I would make sure that every member of the Bat family that is currently active would have a role in a book. That would be my main goal. I would want... Is there anyone that's not active that you'd like to see in that has been in the past? Hmm. Because technically Batwoman's not really active right now. Well, what I mean by active is I mean like they're actively in a costume, not like... Like, Harper Rowe is not an active superhero right now. She technically, she said she retired or whatever. Like, that's what she said she did. Um, but, like, spoiler, like, while she's not a pop, popping up in any book, she's still active. She's still out there and could be utilized. She's just not being utilized currently. Um, you know, somebody like that woman is the same thing. Like, she's out there. She exists. She's just not being utilized until you read Black Mask this week and then find out that she actually is being utilized in a Year of the Villain one shot. Um but the thing is, like, I don't like the fact of, like, having such a large supporting group of characters that are part of the Bat family that just don't get utilized. The one plus about Detective Comics when James Tynion was heading that, that series up was that a lot of the characters that we weren't seeing elsewhere were popping up in that title even if they weren't on a consistent or, like, on a, like, month to, or issue-to-issue basis because that, that, that series was, you know, twice a month, that they, they were still popping up on a regular basis where, you know, sure, this issue might not have Batwoman, but the next issue will because she's a main component of the book. Um, you know, I, I think that the problem is that, like, the Bat family is, very, is a very large group of characters. I honestly don't know that there's another DC, like, group of characters that has so many supporting characters that are currently active. Like when you look at different characters, like Superman has Superman and Super Supergirl and like Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane. And while they're they all all those characters I just mentioned have a book currently, the Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane books are are just maxi series and miniseries. The but Superman has two books, Supergirl has one and it's not just about how many of the characters have books. It's about how the characters are featured. I couldn't tell you, honestly, like, I know that a lot of people say that Flash has a really big rogues gallery, and that's true. He does. It's it's nowhere near as big as Batman, in my opinion. Um, I know it's close um, because they continue. They, they also make they also create a lot more characters and then continue to use those newer characters while the Bat books tend to create new characters, but then they disappear and then nobody ever touches them until the original creator comes back years later. And that's not always the case. It's just, it's a, it, it happens to be the case for the last couple of years outside of books that are headed up by uh, Scott Snyder. So um, I would say that like, I just want that. And I would love to get, I, I've said this before, I, like the easiest way to do something like this is to have some sort of anthology series where you have a couple of, you know, we, we, we keep getting these secret files issues where we get, you know, four or five stories in them. They're all short that all focus on a specific character. In this case, the light, latest secret files focused on different villains. But there's no reason you couldn't do something like that month to month. Charge that premium price of four ninety nine that DC loves to put on their top selling books and have a bunch of shorter stories involving the members of the Bat family um, that aren't 
that don't have their own title, like Nightwing and Batgirl. They have their own titles, so they don't necessarily need to pop up. It's not to say they couldn't pop up or couldn't have a story in amongst them, but I think it would be really nice to have an anthology series or an anthology series that has every issue either one part of multiple stories, but then it also gives a lot of creative uh, creative teams to kind of like test the waters, which is what they do with the anthology series anyway. But the problem is that nobody wants to give creative teams that are newer kind of continuity type situations where they actually can mess with characters and do stuff like that. And I don't think that's necessarily the best thought process because while not every story that's written has to be continuity, you know, continuity, uh, affecting in the sense of like, just because you write a story with spoiler doesn't mean it has to mean that it has to change everything you know about this character. It could just be a, you know, like a typical adventure story, like what we're currently seeing with a lot of the stuff that's been happening in detective comics. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's just, it keeps those characters to the forefront and to the, the minds of the current readers. Um, so I would like to see that, um, romances. I would, well, one reveal thing surprise that I would love to see a story written of if I was in creative control would be, I would love to see, Jim Gordon finding out Barbara is Batgirl, <laughs> and I want to see the ramifications of that entire situation. I think that by itself could be like a mini event within the Bat family, and that would be awesome. Because let's be honest, it's getting to the point where it's not feasible for him to not know that she's Batgirl. It's not feasible for Jim Gordon and Lucius Fox to not know that Bruce Wayne is Batman. It just that stuff, it's, it's too much of a stretch at this point in time with technology and things like that. And it's not like the stuff we're reading is set in a different time period. We're always moving forward with the time periods in the, in the, in the comics along with us in current time. Um, so that stuff needs to be addressed in some way. And I feel like that needs to happen. Like, I'm not saying that it has to be like Jim Gordon and Lucius Fox, you know, have to deal with a, you know, I don't know, bloodied and battered Batman, they have to take his mask off and they both find out who he is. No, like it could be a lot more to it. And there could be a lot of emotional um, moments that you could see where Jim Gordon realizes that while he's been close to Bruce Wayne at various points, he never realized what was going on. Like it's like that lack of trust. There was the episode of, or was that return of the Joker? No, not return of the Joker. There's that episode of the Batman, the new Batman adventures where, Jim Gordon finds out that uh, mm -hmm. Batgirl, it, because she falls off, and it was a whole scarecrow uh, fear toxin thing, but she falls off the building, dies. Jim finds out it's her. He gets super pissed, goes after Batman, who's, you know, he, he knows is Bruce Wayne. It, it's an interesting story, but it was all like a giant ruse. I want something like that to play out, not where Batgirl dies, of course, but I want something like that story to play out in the comics. And that's where I'll leave it, because while I have other ideas, I don't want to spend hours upon hours laying out all these ideas that I've had. So. Well, though, a little shorter. Um, I like the idea of bringing the Bat family in and having it be, having there be relationship beats. Like, even if it's not the focus of the book, like, like you know, how... how um, uh, Batman and the Outsiders, like Cass and... and Oh, what's his name? 
Duke take a few minutes, you know, they're out of costume, they're just playing basketball, and they're talking to each other, and just developing relationships between characters, not romantics, just relationships between people out of the costume, and I think I would enjoy seeing a lot more of that than we have now, because all in all, like, the adventures, they're not bad. You can't have, you know, earth-shattering great adventures every time, especially in an ongoing. Like, it's okay that your story kind of sucks sometimes. But as long as the characters are engaging, like, that's what keeps me reading. I will read a crap story if I like the characters and I like their relationships and I like what they're saying or doing, in which case the story wouldn't be as crap. But, um, yeah, that's 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 one thing I always change is, is stop focusing so much on the shock and the the bat adventures and look at the people behind the mask because I think that's where a lot of depth and a lot of richness for stories comes from especially with the characters in the bat family yes. because they they because it's not just about their powers mm-hmm. um, them being an alien them being otherworldly they're they're the down to earth group of characters that those relationships have more of an effect on those characters mm-hmm. because they are the most relatable characters we have in the DC universe. That's what got me reading, and that's what I would like to keep reading. So actually, as as kind of weird as it is, the the Batgirl uh, relationship with um, what's his name? Corrigan? No. No, that's the Spectre. Um, Anyway, whatever the dude is that picked up all her stuff in the road. Oh, Bard. Bard, yeah, Jason Bard. Like, as much as I'm not really enjoying the the Batgirl book, it's like the adventure part of it, I like seeing her her struggle with even accepting him as a, as a decent human being. Like, I'm liking that emotional struggle. That's, but not the actual story. Right. It's the same thing like her and Frankie, the stuff that they were dealing mm-hmm. with. Like, it's, it's very much the world building. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to read something that is is more than just fists getting yeah. thrown and faces getting punched in like and that's the problem like when you look at the Batman comics in general the standout moment of the last couple of years was the fact that like this relationship between Batman and Catwoman I mean mm-hmm. like even if you didn't want Batman and Catwoman to get married you have to appreciate the fact that there was something else happening in the Batman title that wasn't just Batman fighting somebody because mm-hmm. when you look at everything that was happening during Scott Snyder's run, it was constantly him fighting somebody, him facing some giant threat, or it was he lost his memories and then Jim Gordon's facing a giant threat. So I mean, like, while like I'm I'm right there with you. I, I, that's the stuff that I like. That's the stuff I want. It's the world building. It's you know somebody making sure that everything works within the different books, even though there's different creative teams and things like that. That's the stuff that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. It's the stuff that like the core group of fans really want. So now Ian, how many Steph books are we going to get? Well, I mean, I'm canceling everything, and now you have a Batman and Stephanie, you have a Red Robin and Stephanie, you have a Damien and Stephanie. (laughs) No, actually, um, I, Try to go in a different direction here. Um, I was talking with Tony on the uh, the Discord about 24, uh, the television show, and how everything was in real time. And obviously, you can't do real time in comics, but what I would like to do in comics is passage of time. Uh, Batman's forever, somewhere between 30 and 40. They're never going to actually tell us how old he is. But what I'd want them to do is basically take Earth-1 and do what Marvel tried to do with the Ultimate Universe – um, trim back some of the the normal titles 
uh, in the main continuity and have a regular Earth One continuity going. And you'd have car- you'd have creators on it who are not Jeff Johns or J. Michael Straczynski. Now, I like J. Michael Straczynski, but the way he wrote Superman and the way Jeff Johns wrote Batman was too much. Ooh, let's do shock value. Let's have Lex Luthor be a woman. Let's have Face be a woman. Let's. I mean, it was always this, like shock value stuff. You'd have creators who are known for doing something really intelligent. I mean, honestly, it's kind of what I'm hoping that um, Sean Gordon Murphy does with his his White Knight universe is passage of time. So you'd have. I would say start with a five year plan because ten years is a ridiculous amount of time to allow in a market that you don't know is going to. But a five year plan, everyone's going to age ten years. So every year you have to age every character two years. So you so you'd focus on shorter stories, you know, two to three issue arcs, uh, and then you jump forward in time a little bit. And this would really allow you to get one of the things I think DC lost with the New Fifty Two, which is legacy. The characters who have trained new characters who are heroes in their own right now. Um, and it would force you to make choices like, well, if Batman starts at 25, um, actually I'd start him at 30. If, if Batman starts at 30, at 35, he needs to choose uh, a new Batman because he can't keep doing that. Um, and maybe he could become sort of a, a an Oracle like figure. And obviously Batgirl would have her Cassandra and Stephanie and, you know, whoever else becomes Batgirl later, Nisa or Carrie Kelly. Like you could actually tell. A Dark Knight Returns style story without having to make it um, uh, a future dystopia. But it, the real key of this is that you have creators who are interested in telling new stories without these sort of silly shock value. Um, and the the editorial principle is everything has to go forward. You you cannot have this sort of people stay the same age for for twenty years thing. So. That would be something I'd try. I don't really have anything with the main line just because I don't trust the market or editorial to really reward good stuff. Sometimes it does. Like I think you, you're seeing some some rewarding of good stuff um, with, with Sean Gordon Murphy, but like the the both the hatred and the love for for what Tom King's doing on Batman neither side's really talking to each other anymore. And I think that's really unhealthy for the fandom. I mean, I, I've had good conversations with people who hate Tom King's run, but most of the time people just say, oh, I hate Tom King. I hate his run. I think he doesn't understand. I think he doesn't care about the characters. He doesn't care about writers. And I think if you ever interact with Tom King, he does care about people, but you can't talk with someone who's that angry. And I, I, I just want to cool the conversation down and get people on board together with, with a quality product. And I think that the idea of the... Aging in real time offers new storytelling possibilities that the current continuity won't. I would also and bring. I do want to make. Sorry, I was, just, I was. I would also bring Jonathan Kent back. I would. Uh, I, I have to make this one specific comment, which is: I know that I I get on the Batman title way more than anybody else here, but I. I honestly and genuinely appreciate what's going on in the issue. I just, I'm overly harsh because I kind of want it to be better than it is. And it's not oh, because it's. I'm not talking about you, Dustin. No, I, no, you're, I know you're, you're not talking about me. I know you're not talking about me, but I just, I, I want to make it known because I know that every single time we have an issue, I'm, I'm talking about the negative stuff and I'm talking about the bad stuff. And, in, and I understand that what you're saying, like, obviously, people who are extremely angry, I'm not sending Tom King death threats. I don't like I I 
obviously appreciate Batman. I obviously care what happens to the character. But let's be honest here. I don't think death threats are the way to go in any way ever. So I'll just leave that at that. But the thing is, like, I always just want these books to be better. And while I can be negative, it's really just I just want them to be better because if they are better, more people would buy them. And if more people buy them, the community grows stronger. Sales go up. The, you know, the, the if the books are better, regardless of what reason they're, they're better for or, you know, whatever it is that makes them better, when they are better and the sales are better, guess what happens? The reasoning for those books that, that are doing better and, and have better sales outside of it just being a Batman title, the editors acknowledge that stuff and then allow other care, other creators to do stuff that, you know, take risks and do things. I'm still waiting for the, the, the big moment that Tom King has been hinting at that's going to happen in the series. And while I want it to happen, I'm curious to know what direction it's going to go because if the editorial team is actually going to allow him to make some sort of drastic change to the continuity and it's not just something that is a is a mask where it's going to be erased in a couple of issues then I'm genuinely interested in seeing what happens and if something happens that's worthwhile and it does really well like Batman gets married and it sells really well and the book continues to sell very well Maybe DC will change their mindset when it comes to some of these mandates that they've put in place, like characters can't be married or characters can't age or, you know, things like that, because we ultimately want our characters to develop as time progresses. They can't stay. Batman cannot stay 32 years old forever and ever. It can't happen. Like, while I appreciate the fact that there's a certain point in time where the characters have to... um you know, there, there's there's a standard of a, uh, of the character. You also have to look at it from a different perspective, which is if the character exists, maybe the whole reason there was a golden age and a silver age and a bronze age and a copper age and a modern age is that you have these like versions of the character, and then you just you decide, hey, every fifteen twenty years. We're going to go back to a new version of the character. We're going to keep things that we liked and get rid of things we didn't like. But yes, I mean, ultimately it just comes down to, I just want something, I want change to happen, but I understand from a corporate standpoint, change is not always the greatest thing in the world with some of these characters. So I can acknowledge that, but then there has to be some other way. And like Ian suggested, the idea of like giving somebody the ability to tell a longer story that has them age and things like that and has these big moment, these life moments happen, like stuff like that. Can, needs to happen in order to keep these characters interesting to new readers and to different people. Like, if someone was like, if someone who's never read a Batman comic said, but they knew who Batman was just from like osmosis, from being around the character and knowing what happens in movies and the shows and things like that, if you ask somebody about Batman, they're going to say like the same thing. And everyone says roughly the same thing. It's a guy who doesn't have superpowers, he's a great detective, he's got gadgets. You know, he fights crime. He has villains like the Joker. He fights with Robin. These are things that, like, no matter what generation it is, they're going to say because that's the common thing that everybody knows. But let's be clear. The character is 80 years old. It's maybe maybe there's a something that should be added to that, you know, synopsis of who the character is. That's all. So. All right. So. 
um, obviously, there's a lot more to that question um, that we we could spend a lot more time on. Um, I know that we've in the past of we did a question, but I couldn't tell you when, so that's not going to help. But it, I know it was probably within last year because I know it was with the three of or the two of you um, where we talked about different books that we mm-hmm. would have and books that we would get rid of. And I can tell you um, outside of the anthology book, the only book that I would currently get rid of is Batman Beyond because I just don't <laughs> think it has a place. Not that I don't like Batman on Beyond. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that, yeah. But I mean, like, in general, it doesn't have a place in continuity. It doesn't really make sense. I understand the reason of why they did it, but reality is it just doesn't... It doesn't have a place within the normal group of books. So that's the one I would get rid of immediately. It's also not very good. Yeah. But the solicitor so, for November was so exciting. I'm like, oh, but no, I know it's just going to be terrible again. Yeah. Those solicits, especially that book can be very misleading. I was kind of interested in what was going to happen with the Joker. And that story kind of went, fell flat too. So, all right. So that's going to move us into our monkey watch. <laughs> Got a little bit of time left. Um, so here's what we're going to do. Um, I don't think we've done this before. So I'm going to do rapid fire, this or that. So I say something, and you pick one or the two. And then we just keep going. And we'll just go Ian, Steph, and then I'll answer, and I'll ask the next question. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. My list has 89 of them. I don't oh think we're going to get through 89. <laughs> but here we go. Cookies or cake? Cookies. Cookies. Cake. Cat or dog? Cat. Cat. Dog. <laughs> Computer games or video games? Computer games. Oh, no. Computer games. I'll do video games. Pop music or rock music? Oh, no. Pop music. Oh, no. Rock, rock I guess. Rock. Stuffed animals or dolls? Stuffed animals. Stuffed animals. Stuffed animals. Pancakes or waffles? Oh, you're killing me. It's horrible. Because, um, the reason I say that is because uh, Stephanie Brown's favorite is waffles, but I prefer pancakes. <laughs> I just think these are making me choose between my children. These are all awful. Um, ugh, waffles. I'm going to say pancakes. Hot chocolate or coffee? Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Coffee. <laughs> morning or evening? Evening. Uh, morning. Morning. Day oh, or Dustin, night? You gotta say, I am the night. <laughs> Day or night? Night. Day. Night. Text message or call? Text message. Text message. Text message. <laughs> Library or museums? Library. Museum. Museum. French or Spanish? French. French. Oh, Spanish. <laughs> Summer or winter? Winter. Uh, winter. Winter. Is Theater coming. or cinema? Ah, uh, cinema. So like, I guess oh, play, play or movie. Play or movie, okay. Yeah, movie. Cinema. 
Yeah, cinema movie, definitely. Uh, love or money? Uh, love. 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 Uh, book or movie? Book. Book. Movie. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Chocolate. Vanilla. <laughs> I do Coke like vanilla. Pepsi. I just like chocolate. Sorry, what? Coke. Coke or Pepsi? I honestly can't tell the difference. <laughs> can't tell the difference? Coke, so 100%. Uh, Pepsi Coke if it's with Jack Daniels, Pepsi <laughs> if it's by itself. Um, rain or snow? Snow? Oh, yeah. Rain. I'm answering all these assuming I'm living in Texas. Rain. Well, yeah, just wherever you're at now. Uh, I would say rain, too. Because your winter is different um, well, than my winter. <laughs> that's true. Um, well, I'd love me some snow. I'd love rain more. Um, let's see. Hamburgers or hot dogs? Uh, hamburgers. Hot dogs. Hot dogs. Flowers or trees? Uh, trees. 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 Wow. On this list, there is Superman or Batman. <laughs> Come on. Batman. Think very carefully before you answer your... <laughs> Batman. Batman. Um, lions or bears? Lions. Lions. Bears. Kitties. Fire or ice? Ice. Something to look at or like a means of death? <laughs> uh, let's do something to look at first. Uh, ice. 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 Uh, and then something to dive. <laughs> uh, still ice. Ice. Yeah, it's still big ice. <laughs> um, let's see. or mustard? Mustard. Ketchup. Mustard. Uh, bagels or toast? Bagels. <sighs> bagels. Bagels. Uh, beach or, f- or, or I should say, uh, beachside villa or bungalow or cabin in the woods? I think Cabin in the Woods, but I really like both. Yeah. Same. Cabin in the Woods, but... Me too. I couldn't really choose. Sweet or salty? Salty. Salty. Breakfast or dinner? Dinner. Dinner. Um, I would say dinner as well, mostly because you can have breakfast for dinner, <laughs> which we do in my house a lot. Um, but also, I feel like there's way more. Uh, maybe it's just me. Is it, isn't it? Doesn't it feel like there's way more possibilities for yeah. dinner than there will ever be for breakfast? Yeah. 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 Even that's, if you go like international, like there's still like that's, there's limitations. Yeah, yeah, it's still like the same stuff. It's just yeah, it's a shame. Um, <laughs> Comedy or drama? Drama. It's a Batman podcast. <laughs> I am going to have to say comedy. 
and I will say drama. Uh, pasta or pizza? Pizza. Pasta. And I will say pizza. Tom or Jerry? Which one's the cat? Tom's the cat. Tom. I pick Tom. I'm going to pick Jerry. I like cats, and I have a cat, and he's a great—he's a great cat. I don't like uh, it when people Tom, get picked Tom on. is not a very good cat. He's not. He's a bad cat. Yeah. I just hate that Jerry just seems loses. like he's like living his life, and Tom's just hell bent on catching him, <laughs> like the coyote. So, yeah, exactly, exactly like the coyote. All right, I think that's where we're going to stop there. There was a lot of them. Uh, there's still way a ton more that we could do. And we could do another one like this uh, if anybody has a desire for more of these in the future. So if you want to hear more of this or that in the future, we can definitely do that. Um, and if you Leave have this or that suggestions or ideas, yeah, we can definitely do those too. So I will say it was painful. Some of those I just love equally and it was hard. <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, so I'm looking at this list and there were some weird ones that I didn't even understand what the heck they meant. <laughs> Uh, that I refrained from saying just because I was like, I, I don't know what this is. <laughs> but anyway, all right, that being said, that is this episode of the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. It's a little bit shorter than normal, mostly because there just wasn't a lot of news, and I guess I just didn't have enough to complain about this time <laughs> around. So uh, thank you for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Um, if you are listening to this on YouTube, please leave a comment on YouTube letting us know, or you can subscribe or f- or like to the video um, because these episodes are released on YouTube. And actually, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but all of our podcasts we offer on the site are typically, they typically release two hours in advance on YouTube. Not that that's a huge time difference by any means, but that does happen. So if uh, you are one of those few and far between people who really want to hear the latest podcast as soon as physically possible, they do release two hours earlier. Typically all podcasts release at 8 a.m. Central time on the day that of their release, but the podcast, but the podcast release on YouTube at 6 a.m. Central. So a little bit of a heads up. If you just were curious about that, not that it really makes that big of a difference to us. It was really just, well, I don't know. It's just a weird thing I did. So it just continues, continues to do that. Anyway, uh, that being said, if you have a comment for the next episode or a question or a comment or concern, suggestion, or you'd just like to tell me how much I suck and I'm too negative because that's happened plenty of times too. Be sure to send your comments to the trash can if they're, if they're negative. And if uh, they're not negative, please leave them on the website or you can post your comments on our discord on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, wherever you see our podcast and you're finding out about it. As long as you tag us, we will be sure to read your comments on the next podcast as long as they're not super negative and telling me that I'm horrible. So that being said, uh, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all these news and videos from the Batman universe, as well as Instagram. Uh, we've been putting a lot more effort into getting more stuff posted on our social media stuff. So hopefully you guys like that kind of stuff and uh, we'll do more of it. So that being said, also be sure to head over to the site for all this news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, of course, the comics. You can leave us reviews in iTunes. They're greatly appreciated, but only if they're five star. So that being said, um, we will see you guys in two weeks. That's all. This is Dustin. This is Steph. And this is Ian. So we'll see you guys next time.